0: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Over the line, or close it, he's in. A backhander and a slay by Tony Esposito. Stan McKee, was a, a small guy, very cocky in those days. A right hand by Langerson, and he couldn't that knife down. are trying to tear his hair out. NBC Chicago's James Navo. picked out a minute. Odyssey, Chicago Hockey Insider, Jay Zawaski. No more! Hawks win! Hawks win again! Chris Jelios in overtime! Part of Blue Wire Podcast. Came off the boards, he shoots, he's going down to the Tames! A game-winning goal! The Hawks live to fight another day! Ball back, so far, a drive, skipped it front, Score! The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Chicago's going to be in last place forever. The center for Tames, he got a breakaway! Triple Threat Sports, Fry the Coop, and by the In Law Group, Let's Drop the Puck. Well,
2: that was a uh, interesting finish for the Chicago Blackhawks tonight as they defeat the Montreal Canadiens in overtime. Three straight victories for our beloved Blackhawks. We're here to break it all down on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naboe from NBC Five, and with me, of course, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of Odyssey of the I'm Fat Podcast of best selling authorship. And he's gonna go on a cruise later this year. No, Nudist never cruise. Nope. I heard never going is that on a true? cruise.
1: No, never going on a cruise in my life. Not I gonna question
2: your life choices, but apparently that is not accurate. I have been misinformed. Not but speaking of misinformed. The Blackhawks won on a goal that definitely didn't look like a goal to me. So, yeah, what a weird freaking ending to this game, man. Like we we have a lot to talk about tonight, but we'll start with the Montreal game because that was some shenanigans at the end of it.
1: Yeah. Thanks for joining us. As James said, follow us on all of our social medias at Madhouse Pod on Twitter. Madhouse underscore pod on Instagram. We're at Madhouse Hockey Pod on Facebook. We've got our tea public shop and there's a sale going on right now, $13 classic teas and up to 35% off uh, through the end of the day, Friday, January 14th. So you're probably listening to this on Friday, chances are. So that sale ends at the end of the day today. So jump on that and uh, use that T public sale. Use the link in our bio, please. Otherwise you do not get any credit for the sale. Very easy to find. It's in our link tree bio there in our, any of our social media bios. Um, I just wanted to say one thing real quick. Hockey's dumb.
2: <laughs> like it is a sport that makes very little sense. I
1: mean, this even before overtime, this game made no sense. You have the Hawks just pummeling the Canadians in the first period. Just, I. What did Montreal end up with? Like three shots, maybe two shots in the first period. They had six shot attempts. Like that's how bad it was yeah. for them. Hawks outshoot Montreal thirteen to three in the first. Then the second period begins, and the Hawks get outshot seventeen to six. It's like what? What the hell happened? What changed? It's just such an odd. First of all, this entire year is weird. As yeah. as a Hawks fan. Montreal is a team coming into this game and leaving this game with seven wins. Like, it's just like it was just a crazy, weird night. And it was the only way that this game could have ended was on it's the Philip, only
2: way it deserved to end. Yeah,
1: Philip Kurashev falling down. Well, he got knocked down on a breakaway and the puck slides in right before the net goes off. But then it's rolled off sides. But then the situation room gets a hold of him and says it wasn't offside. You dummies and the game. The Hawks win. So whatever. The box score is going to show a really nice overtime winner from Philip Kurashev. And that's where I want to start this broadcast, James. Uh, And Eddie O kind of called it before the game. And I mentioned it a couple episodes ago how I thought his game was really coming around. He was a really effective player in this game. And I think we're starting to see his development. You know, we say this all the time. I'm sure people are completing our sentences. Development is not linear. But Philip Kurashev has been on a steady ascent for probably the last month, and really nice to see him get rewarded with an overtime winner in this game.
2: Yeah, certainly. And I think that that has been something very noticeable uh, these last few games, especially for the Blackhawks. I know there's been a lot of up and down, a lot of chaos to these games. It's kind of hard to kind of sift through all of that and to kind of accurately evaluate the guys who have been kind of shining in these instances. And I do have to say that Philip Kuryshev has definitely been. He's been shining a lot. There have been a lot of really good moments for him, whether it's on the offensive side of things where he's been creating a ton of offense. He's been passing the puck really well lately, been getting into open ice. He's been using his speed. For God's sake, that dude, if he can leverage his speed, is an incredible weapon for the Blackhawks to have. And he really has been doing that. He's been playing with a lot of hockey intelligence recently. I've been seeing him get into really good spots a lot. And his passing has been really solid, too. I've really liked everything he's been doing on the offensive side of things. And he's even been chipping in on defense occasionally, too. It's just been a really good run of play from Philip Kurashev, from a guy who – feels like he's probably auditioning for kind of a more important role for the Blackhawks down the stretch here. I know that they've been going through a lot of injury issues, a lot of COVID issues lately. They're probably going to be making some trades here in the coming weeks. I mean, this is a team that's looking for something positive to come out of the development side of things this season. And Philip Kurashev recently has really been fitting that bill, and I do have to give him a lot of credit for the way that he's been playing in a lot of different areas. He's been just a standout player every time he's been on the ice you don't have to look very far to see the positives when he's been out there
1: no doubt uh, by the way the trade deadline you mentioned March 21st uh, so we still got about two mo- two months to go um, before the trade deadline but yeah the, the, uh, it's I think it's highly expected that the Hawks will, will sell off some pieces as they absolutely should um, despite the three-game winning streak and we, we should talk a little bit about that maybe we can do that in a second segment because a couple really nice wins before this one um, yeah. they've been, they've been playing pretty well and to see them bounce back as well as they have from the loss to Arizona, which was one of those losses that maybe a team that's not as without as much leadership as the Hawks might that might've just stuck the nail in their coffin and it could have been just disaster from there on out. Um, but to see them bounce back and respond with two good games and then this one, a really good start and then not so good in the middle and then a fine end, um, It's good. It's good to see him bounce back with three wins. (laughs) A fine end. (laughs) Well, the other thing is, and we somehow have failed to mention this so far, is Lucas Reichel made his NHL debut. Um, And, boy, he looks the part, doesn't he? 15 minutes and 55 seconds of ice time. uh, Three shots on goal. One more shot attempt. Uh, He did have a not great giveaway. Over three from the faceoff dot. But did spend most of the night playing center. I uh, just didn't take a ton of faceoffs. Here's what I saw from from Lucas Reichel, a guy with really good acceleration. He would go from coasting to fast really quickly. He's got a shot that gets off his stick really quickly. We saw that a lot in the third period where he had two or three good looks on the power play. And then what we do see with a lot of young players, and this is something I think Kirby Doc is still sort of learning is how fast the NHL game moves, right? Mm. You don't have that extra tick or two that you probably have in the AHL and elsewhere. And I think when Reichel figures that out and learns that guys are going to close on him more quickly than he's used to, the sky's going to be the limit. And I'm not going to declare him anything after watching him play 15 minutes and 55 seconds of his first game. But uh, he definitely looked the part. He looked dangerous. There were several moments uh, where he may had impressive plays with his feet and with a stick. And uh, we are seeing the, the deferential pass first mentality from a rookie player. But man, when he gets a little more aggressive and learns the speed of the NHL, he's going to be dangerous and dangerous quick.
2: I was going to bring that up the uh, moment I think it was in the second period of the game or maybe in the third period that he was on the rush and Barry clearly was looking to pass the puck to Patrick Kane. There was zero question in anybody's mind in the arena what he was trying to do and the Canadians responded accordingly and he short-sighted himself couldn't get a shot off and that's one of those things that I think There is some element to it where it's just the speed of the game. You don't realize that those guys are closing you off and you're not going to be able to get your shot off, and that's fine. But just show a little more aggression in that situation. But I think that overall – There is so much about his game that you just simply cannot teach. You mentioned that acceleration. I thought it was very apparent, especially in the neutral zone when the Blackhawks were beginning their breakout. There are not a lot of guys that can just weave through a defense like that and find the weak spots just instantly. And his awareness and his ice vision is so good. And he was able to get out on the break so effectively tonight. There was no kind of pause to process the information. And even though the game was moving at a faster speed than he's usually used to, I'm sure at the AHL level, it did not look like there was a ton of learning curve there. And I thought that that, that area of the game especially just you you noticed number 27 every time the Blackhawks started to break out he would just weave through the neutral zone and be in a really good spot to continue the possession once they got into the offensive zone. I thought that was a really good uh, testament to the strides that he's been making in the AHL this season. I'm not going to be upset if, if and when the Blackhawks send him back down as the plan is right now to get him just a little bit of NHL seasoning but I thought first effort in the NHL, it was a really solid night. It was kind of a bummer not to see him put one in the back of the net. I thought there were a couple of plays he would have absolutely deserved to get that goal, but it was so exciting to hear that Reichel was going to be coming up tonight, and he definitely served notice that he's going to be – fighting for a spot in that top six with the Blackhawks in the very near future. And there are a lot of really good quality things about his game that I think are going to translate really well to the NHL.
1: You mentioned his intelligence, and I think that's um, and his vision. Um, that's something that really stood out to me is he knows, at least, you know, in a couple moments, it seemed like he knew when a defenseman was going to be vulnerable. Right. Like yep. when they would cross their legs as they're backing up or whatever. And he would take that advantage and then really turn on the jets. And we saw him blow by defensemen two or three times in this game where he just turned on the afterburners and they were left in the dust. That happened a few times.
2: And for the that- information just processes so quick. Yeah. And that's something that a lot of Blackhawks rookies have struggled with. They struggle with that kind of you have to think for that extra beat. It doesn't feel like Lucas Reichel has to.
1: And you mentioned the development plan, which has been, um, if you've not written it, if you've not read it, um, Carter Baum, who writes for the Blackhawks website, wrote about it and a bunch of other people have sort of piggybacked on that the plan is, as of this moment, that he'll just play a handful of games and get sent back down. Um, The way they're talking, there's no plan to keep him up here. But I do wonder, and and Kobe Cohen sort of mentioned this in the pregame, like if he is, (laughs) you know, if he scores four goals or whatever in his three or four games, he's up here. Are you a little bit tempted to keep him up and burn that first year? And this is where I'm at on this thing. And I'm sure you've got thoughts on this too. It's like the fan in me wants him here and wants to watch him play. The analyst in me realizes that the season is lost, realizes they're going to be sellers at the deadline and realizes that there's going to be value in having him uh, in control for another year. So maybe leaving him in Rockford um you know let maybe he plays nine games a season right maybe that's what they end up doing uh and then they can send him down and it doesn't burn that year I'm I'm okay with that but if he plays four five six seven whatever games and it's just lighting the world on fire eh, that decision gets a lot harder to make doesn't it
2: no I don't think it does and right. I and I know that's kind of a blunt way of putting it no, but it's I mean, good think think about it if the if the plan was that he could play himself into a regular roster spot and be up here for the rest of the season, don't you think they should have called him up sooner than January? I know there were the injury issues here and there, but this, his dominance at the AHL level was not a new phenomenon whatsoever. He looked the part of an NHL player almost from the word go in the AHL and I think that if the Blackhawks were convinced that he was going to be up here for the rest of the season I'm not so positive that only keeping him up here for half a year and burning that first year of ELC is worth it I mean I would have thought he would have been up here sooner I think they've put themselves in a position where they really do have to consider that portion of it that if you're only going to get him for 35-40 games what's what exactly would be the point of burning that ELC. I don't know how many games the Blackhawks have left, so it could be more than that, but my thought is if you were going to even give him an opportunity to earn that spot at the NHL level, I would have liked to have seen it done sooner. I'm not sure if that puts me in the minority, but I'm definitely looking at that, especially with some of the contracts they're going to have coming onto the books Mm -hmm. and some of the guys that they're going to have to potentially re-sign as they try to kind of sort out this roster mess and potentially create a roster that can compete in three or four years. Those are the type of decisions you have to make.
1: Well, I don't know. You know, we don't know if Kyle Davidson's going to stay in his role as GM. We don't know what the future holds, but I think the way he's playing this to me kind of indicates that look, he's going about his job as if he's the GM, which is what he should be doing right Mm -hmm. now. Of course, he's probably not going to go trade Patrick Kane or Jonathan Tays without a long conversation with everyone in charge. Um, But if this is his plan, then I think what we're seeing from him is a decision to rebuild, which is probably the correct thing to do. You're rebuilding with a pretty solid young core to bring it right. Uh, Reichel is obviously part of that. Doc is part of that. Seth Jones is going nowhere. Caleb Jones is here. Even like the Riley Stillman's and McKenzie Ent Whistles, young players. Brandon Hagel isn't super young, but you know what I'm saying, right? So the core is there to rebuild. If if the thought was, okay, this year's lost, but we're going to try to win again next season. Mm-hmm. Then if that was the plan, I could see having Reichel finish the season here and get us But a... how
2: realistic is that though? Is what
1: Re- is, is trying to compete next year? Yeah. No, they're not. There's no way. <laughs> okay. But I. But Sorry. I don't know. No. I didn't no.
2: mean to derail your point, but I was just like, wow, that seems really iffy. <laughs> no. Yeah.
1: I, I don't think. But, but I, it doesn't mean that the GM doesn't think that, right? We. That's I don't, fair. I, I don't know what Kyle Davidson thinks, but we know what Sam Bowman thought, right? He thought, well, I'm mean, gonna I try to win now. But it, so if winning was the, if if it trying to win and make the playoffs again in 2022, 23 was the plan, then I could see. Letting Reichel play, and then next season begins, he's got half a season under his belt, and here we go, right? Instead, and this is what I would do, as much as the fan of me wants to see him play every night, play Mm. him the eight or nine games, and then send him down to Rockford, let him dominate, let him skate circles around people, and then when the season begins next year, he is penciled into your opening day lineup, and he's never back down again.
2: The Blackhawks have only played uh 37 games. So, I mean, you're getting a pretty good chunk of games if you just leave Reichel up. But I also think if they send him back down after this audition, you yeah, leave him down. Do not burn that clock. If you're going to make the decision, I suppose you got to do it right now. But I don't know. I am I am fully on board if they decide that they want to save that year yeah. of eligibility. Um, but I also – like you mentioned, the fan element of this. I'm not gonna be ticked off if I have to watch Lucas Reichel the rest of the season.
1: <laughs> oh no, exciting no, no. young player, darn. But we should probably clarify this, by the way, for people that maybe don't know the nuances of the rules. So on a rookie contract, a player can play nine games before nine. before the before they burn that first year of the contract. Okay. So if Reichel's here for nine and gets sent down again, technically the first year of his contract has not begun. If he plays 10 games for the Hawks this year, year one is off the books. That's it. It's already been played. He's been paid for it, yada, yada, yada. And that first year of that rookie deal is burnt. That's why James and I are saying, keep him here for four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, but nothing beyond that. Um, And and hold on to those years of his contract and and maximize that towards the end because Yeah, you're going to lose Taves and Kane, their deals end at the end of next season. But next year, you've got Seth Jones's new deal kicking in and Alex to going to be doing a new deal right as those contracts for Kane and Taves expire. So you're kind of just sort of flip flopping things there. So you're going to have some cap situations. So the longer of the more control you can have on a young player, the better. And I don't want to it's not the same, but the Chris Bryant thing is a good example is every Cubs fan wanted Chris Bryant as soon as he could be called up. But you wait, the, what was it, 13 games in MLB? It was something like something that. Something like yeah. that, and, and they get a whole other year of him under contract, and you know then they just traded him. It worked him. out so well. They traded him to the Giants. and
2: yeah, they won a World Series with him. I, mean, I guess we shouldn't be too angry about it. They did
1: not. The Braves won a they won World, a World Series. Series
2: with Chris Bryant. Oh, it's like, what? Okay, What I'm... the hell's wrong with you? I don't know. It's tired. Did How you... quickly you forget. It was a
1: five hour <laughs> hockey game. i my mind is my mind is. I, I
2: made a joke to Jay during the game that uh, we have a 10 o'clock push. We have to send it NBC. And I was worried that I was going to have to come up with that while the Blackhawks were finishing up the game.
1: Ha jokes on me. Jokes on you, my friend. Um, OK, one more guy we should mention, too, before we move on to some uh, bigger picture stuff. NHL debut for Sam Lafferty. Uh, not uh, Happy Gilmore's caddy. That's Daniel Lafferty. Uh, Sam Lafferty is the guy the Hawks got for, for Alex. Real? M- what? For real? Lafferty. D- it. Well, no, it wasn't his caddy. It was the guy he played against in the Waterbury Open.
2: And I would also like to point out that this was not his NHL debut. It his was Hawks his debut. Blackhawks debut. Thank you. Uh,
1: did Sorry. you hear Eddie O. restrain himself when talking about Alex Nylander? <laughs> Just,
2: there were there were a couple of veiled shots during the game that Edzo and Foley took. We can get into that a little bit, but yes, I did hear yeah, that.
1: He, he pulled, we'll say he pulled up on the hit. He's like, and Alex Nylander, that... That didn't work out. <laughs> he just <laughs> heard him check himself a little bit. Uh, but well, as critical as I was of bringing in another grindy kind of guy, I sort of like Lafferty's game. I, he played with some speed. Obviously, he brings some grit and physicality. He's tough to move, man. He was he was just kind of Except co- when he got hit. Well, he got smoked on that hit. He was just lined up perfectly. Yep. But, um, hey, for a fourth liner, I liked what he brought. A little more speed. Than I'm used to seeing on the fourth line. So hey, who knows? You know, it's another. I, I would have preferred probably a draft pick for Nylander, but look, you got to get what you can get when you're when it's a sunk cost. And uh, Sam Lafferty's here and wearing number 24, which is offensive to my hockey senses. But uh, through one game, was it
2: offensive to your hockey senses seeing Reichel in number 27? I can't.
1: I yeah, I was talking to my buddy Bob about this during a game. I still hate when people wear 27. Yeah. And it's probably just me because Roenick was my number one guy. Like yep. that's who started it all for me. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's always jarring to me when I see somebody else in 27, but it's there's been so many from what was it like Reed Simpson, Johnny Oduya wore it. Was
2: it Reed Simpson? Adam Boquist wore it.
1: Boquist wore it. Now Reichel wears it. It's just, it's a number that's been given away. So it doesn't have the same feel as it used to. But to me, That number will always be special. So, yeah, I'm not mad about it, but it is a little bit like I still don't like seeing it.
2: (laughs) They very clearly are not retiring that number that they keep giving it out.
1: Well, maybe if Lucas Reichel is good enough. And uh, they end up like they could do a dual retirement like you're going to do with Chelios and Seabrook. That's guaranteed going to happen. Yeah.
2: Oh, hell yeah. That's going to. But as soon as they brought Chelios back as an ambassador, it was like, so when's the dual retirement with him and Seabrook? Like that's as soon as Seabrook is like technically retired, that's happening.
1: Well, that leads us nicely into our next segment where we're going to get into the Andrew Shaw uh, Heritage Night and a couple other things. Uh, The USA hockey roster has been announced And there's a Blackhawk prospect on it. And uh, there's a Blackhawk all-star and maybe not the person you're expecting. We'll come back with more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. I'm Jay Zawoski. James Naveau is there at his palatial Kankakee Estates. Uh, you got it. There's a gate. You got to talk to the guard to get in. They're fully armed. There's yep. a moat. All that Chateau Nouveau is well guarded. It really is. Uh, but hey, you know, what's not well guarded. Bad segue by me. Um, you can get to a fry the coop very, very easily. There's no moats. There are no armed guards. Just walk in and get some damn chicken and you will be very, very pleased that you did. The best Nashville hot chicken in town for my money. The best Nashville hot chicken in the world. I've had them all in Nashville. All the brand names. And I think that Fry the Coop is the best of all of them. So if you're from the Chicagoland area, which I would assume you are, pretty good chances you got a Fry the Coop near you. Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, Prospect Heights, and Tinley Park. They are well scattered throughout the Chicagoland area. So go get some hot chicken. Go drink some craft beer. Go have a good time at Fry the Coop. You're going to love it. That is a Madhouse podcast guarantee. And anytime you visit any of our sponsors, make sure you let them know you heard about them on this podcast because it helps us out greatly when you do that and we always appreciate uh, your help in terms of those things okay uh, before the break we mentioned a couple things Uh, what we failed to mention was that Kirby Doc and Dylan Strom and Seth Jones over the last couple days have entered the protocol the COVID protocol Um, obviously Brandon Hagel came off of it played in the game Sam Lafferty was on it and came off it for this game as well um, so the Hawks just Jake McCabe is on there too so yep. not the healthiest time for the Hawks but I think when you compare them to a lot of other teams in the league they've been pretty lucky uh, I'll also
2: point out they've won three straight games and two of those at least were without Jones and McCabe which is kind of wild it's because Jones sucks That we figured it out. We have cracked the code. Seth Jones sucks. Blackhawks better without him. Trade him.
1: Yep, that's what everyone's been telling us all year is how terrible Seth Jones is. So we
2: are all we are such morons, and our (sighs) listeners are brilliant. Yeah. Well, and I will I will point out it's not all of our listeners saying this. I'm being facetious. No,
1: it's the steady people. (laughs) I saw a thing today about how lopsided the trade is because Adam Boaklist's expected goals per sixty is really high. Like, okay. (laughs) <laughs> I, I like Adam Boquist a lot if I I'm going to ask everyone this question right now and I want you to answer honestly it's game seven of the Stanley Cup finals you've got a one goal lead and there's a minute left who do you want on the ice Seth Jones or Adam Boquist I'll hang up and listen for my answer thanks
2: man according the advanced metrics Adam Boquist <laughs> will stop a goal 98 times out of 100 and Seth Jones
1: will only stop at 97 yeah He'll stop it with his sick flow. I, I, I don't want to rip on Adam Boquist. I'll get We're, we're getting off track. Damn it. Okay. Listen, we started
2: uh, talking about hot chicken and moats. And now we're on this.
1: Moats and hos. Um, Alex DeBrinkett wow. is an all-star. Not yes. a surprise.
2: Congratulations to him.
1: It's going to be very strange for me to not see Patrick Kane as an all-star.
2: Well, depending on if he he may still get called in if there are injuries or
1: something. Yeah, but that's not the same. That's like Mitch Trubisky making the Pro Bowl.
2: Hey, he <laughs> that is the Nickelodeon Most Valuable Player or whatever that was. You
1: know what? You're right. I, just <laughs> I forgot about that nonsense. And the game that they ended up losing because remember they had to like didn't they have to cha- like make the vote before the game ended?
2: Yeah, they were going to slime him, and (laughs) they lost, so they didn't. Yes,
1: that did not work out well. Uh, So anyway, to to an All-Star, Seth Jones is eligible for the last man in. Uh, So you can go to NHL.com. I think you can vote up to 10 times a day for one player from each uh, division. So go ahead and Mm -hmm. do that if you wish. Uh, I put my 10 votes in for Seth Jones and uh, Lucas Raymond from – the Red Wings and a bunch of other players who I think deserve it. So um, yeah, go do that at NHL.com and the USA men's hockey uh, roster, the Olympic rosters out and drew Camesso, who we highlighted in our very futile <laughs> world juniors championships preview. We did with Chris and Peters. That got
2: outdated very quickly.
1: <laughs> yes, it, it sure did. Uh, drew Camesso will be the starting goalie for team USA in the Olympics. Uh, assuming the Olympics happen. So yep. there's which, your little bit intent- of news and notes.
2: Uh, Jay, we're going to play a game. You want to play a game here real quick? Yes. Uh, can you name five forwards who made the Team USA roster?
1: Uh, well, I'm staring at it right now, so yes. Well, that's cheap. <laughs> um, it's literally in my There are a hand. couple
2: of interesting names on the list, uh, some that Chicago Steel fans will be familiar with. There, are, I think they said five Steel alumni are in this game or on this team, which is kind of cool. Including Brendan Brisson, first round draft pick. Yep. But yeah, the, it's honestly it's a fairly solid roster considering the uh, kind of limitations that were put on them. There are a lot of college players on there. A lot of guys who I thought to myself, "Him?" Like Andy Miele. Miele is that how you say his last name? Yeah. He's on there. You think he's like thirty six or something like that? Um. But yeah, there. It's a very interesting roster, there are a couple of really uh solid young players on it that I'm excited to see and I looking at the black the starting goaltenders for Team USA, do you really think Strauss Mann or Pat Nagel is going to be the starter over Drew camesso I don't think so.
1: Strauss Mann is a great f- fake name. <laughs> uh you're trying like you got, it's your fake ID name. Uh yeah. yes, my name is Strauss Mann. No it's great not.
2: hockey's in his jeans.
1: Yeah, I guess so. That's uh, that's quite a name. I like that. But hey, man, as if the Olympics happen, I'll be watching hockey. My wife loves the Olympics, like all the sports, and I'm just like hockey. Show me hockey. I want hockey.
2: What's your uh, guilty pleasure Olympic sport? What is the sport that you never watch any other time of the year except the Olympics? Curling. See, I watch curling even if it's not Olympic time. I freaking love curling, man. Okay.
1: Um. Yeah, that's mine. I'm trying to think of summer sports, summer games.
2: Handball, for the record, for the summer. Okay. Handball is awesome.
1: That's cool. Uh, I can I call beach volleyball a, a guilty pleasure because I don't feel sure. guilty about it.
2: Have at it. <laughs> okay. I mean well. it's a, okay, okay. It's a sport that you never watch any other time of year except the Olympics.
1: Uh, probably not. Okay. Yeah. I then don't yeah, think so. it counts. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. I'm glad we Bi-athlons. talked about
2: that. Biathlon is my jam. By the way, I love that sport so much, irrationally so.
1: You should come over and just watch Watch with Hope because she's nuts. Like sold. She'll just go like as we're watching TV and and a preview comes on for the Olympics. She'll just go Olympics. She'll just scream it out. I'm like, oh my god, will you stop?
2: I'm gonna have to text you. I'm gonna have to text your what? wife and ask her what her favorite sports are. Be hey, like, hey, we need to plan s- our watch. What? It's not like you said you're gonna text my wife. No, that's a different thing. No, I'm just gonna I'm gonna text her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, God, stop that. That's
1: fine. I mean, you can just <laughs> quit causing scandal here. <laughs> as long as I'm included, it's fine.
2: I'm I'm gonna come over and she's gonna say, by the way, Strauss Mann is coming <laughs> Someone over. Someone
1: named Strauss Mann <laughs> sent me a picture of his butt. It's James's new sexting uh, nickname. Stra- <laughs> Hello, my name is Strauss Mann. Enjoy my buttocks in your face. Oh,
2: I feel awful for Strauss, man. He's probably a really nice guy. <laughs> you have no proof of that. He could be a total ass. <laughs> you know what? The next goal is to get Strauss, man, and uh, Riley Bourbonnet on the podcast. We need to. <laughs> yeah,
1: I forgot about Riley Bourbonnet.
2: Yeah, I guess I need to find a player with the last name of Kankakee now.
1: Strauss, man is a fine-looking young man. I have I have no judgment. He goes to Michigan, so, I'm, you know, I immediately... Oh, oh,
2: wait, he's currently a collegiate goalie?
1: Um, No, I think he's a pro in Sweden, but he ah. went to Michigan.
2: Okay. Yeah. Drew Camesso is still in college, hence why I think he's probably going to be the starter because he's kind of a higher-profile guy, was the starter for World Juniors, blah, blah,
1: blah. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to watch. Uh,
2: eric Stahl, by the way on team canada which i thought was kind of wild that's fun apparently that's gonna cool. be with the iowa wild for a conditioning assignment and then's gonna report to beijing so good for him
1: yeah that's a guy who had a good long career and was an effective player for a long time so that's fun. Yeah. give the kids I a like thrill it. and play with them yeah all right so last thing before we wrap up the show here is uh it was andrew shaw heritage night and i I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about, uh, and I know he wasn't here during the Kyle Beach thing, um, but this is like the first um, like, legacy celebration since then, and I didn't feel as, as gross as I thought I would, so that's good, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's bad. I really don't know how to feel. Well, I mean, he wasn't here when all of that
2: stuff yeah. technically happened, I suppose. I just
1: was kind of expecting to feel a little bit more like... Maybe we could wait till next year to do this sort of stuff. Like, let the—I don't know. I know he wasn't there, but just the right—the overall like um, self-celebration by the organization is still whatever. They mm. fired everybody that need to be fired. They've done the right thing since they reached They've a settlement. The suits. So yeah. I, I don't know what else. I—I just—I'll I, say it. I didn't feel bad about it. I was expecting that I might, and I didn't. So.
2: You didn't feel uh any type of way about how they kind of celebrated the physical edge to his game when that was ultimately what kinda led him to stepping away from the sport.
1: I can't lie, I did think of that. But yeah. if you're going to highlight Andrew Shaw's career, you kinda have you can't to really do, that. do it without doing that, yeah. Right. I mean, that's what what made him who he was, and I think he wears that as a badge of honor. And look, yeah, mm-hmm. I know he'd much probably rather be playing and have no concussion symptoms, but the legend of Andrew Shaw is alive and well, and, and hopefully his quality of life is good enough. And I'm glad he got out when he did and didn't just try to keep going. Absolutely. Um, and, but let's just hope that he has a nice, long, happy life. And that's why you retire at 29, right? That's the whole point. Um, yep. When you catch the problem, you retire, you address it, you put family and yourself first. And uh, that's what he's done. Yep. So hopefully he's got a nice, long life and he can reap the benefits of his what he did for this organization, which should not be understated. If you saw the thing that was written yesterday and forgive me if it was powers or Laz who wrote it, um, where he just got quotes from old players, that guy was beloved man. And, and Marion Hosa really of all people on his birthday yesterday, by the way, happy yep. birthday, Hoss, um, talking about how that was something the team needed. They needed a presence like him. It was something that was missing that kind of firecracker personality the guy who would do everything it took to win Um, as much talent and skill as that team had you always need guys like that and Andrew Shaw was kind of the personification of that scrappy dude who always seems to come up big in the playoffs right and he did he had a great playoff career
2: I mean it was like one of my buddies said he does kind of personify what uh, people in the city of Chicago kind of view themselves as the scrappy underdog who gets it done when the pressure is on and they, you know, end up those types of guys end up becoming beloved figures in Chicago. And Shaw absolutely fits that to a T and I can envision him for a long time here being a member of the Chicago media, covering games for NBC Sports Chicago or what have you. Like That dude is set if he wants to stay here. He is an icon in Chicago, and I'm sure other folks look at him in this market and they go, well, he didn't have that long of a career, and he was – Probably like the fifth or sixth most important player on a couple of Stanley Cup teams. Big whoop. But dudes like that always endear themselves to the city of Chicago. And I think he is absolutely, he's a perfect fit for the role that they have him in now with the uh, media operation they're covering the team. And I'm hoping that he'll stick around for a while. He seems like a genuinely good dude who really appreciates the way the city has embraced him. And I hope that that uh, continues.
1: You're totally right about all the things you just said. But here's a question I've thought about a lot, just in general. Like, every city calls themselves, like, blue-collar, like, working class, right? Like, Philly and Detroit and New York, whatever. What are the cities that don't?
2: (laughs) Um, I'm guessing any place south of the Mason-Dixon line probably would, instead of classifying themselves as, like, kind of Scrabble- you know, hard scrabble, hard nose. They probably are like, well, we, we just like the simple laugh down here or whatever it would be. I think that maybe would be the All difference.
1: Right. So there's not like there's not a fan base. It's like, mm, yes, we prefer our players to be more like redeem verbata. Very, very um, soft and gentle.
2: <laughs> what about El- I guess Los Angeles maybe would be like that? I don't know. I don't know, but they probably you, would never admit to like saying exactly. it exactly like that. No no
1: no. We don't like Andrew Shaw types. We're a white collar fan base.
2: I mean I guess I guess in New York it's not so much about, you know, grit. It's more about flash and pizzazz. I guess.
1: I don't know. It's always like blue collar, this this town likes its blue collar guys. What town doesn't? Yeah. what t- what question. town doesn't
2: like lunch? Like, and you know what? It is <laughs> hockey after all. Yes. Like lit- there's literally not a sport that. Well, I guess football, like football and hockey, I think, just kind of lend themselves to those types of folk heroes. Yeah,
1: definitely. All right. Uh, before we wrap up, I want to tell everybody about our buddy Kent Simpson of the Simpson Law Group. After over a decade of prosecuting homicide cases as an assistant Cook County State's attorney. He opened his own firm over 20 years ago, specializing in all forms of personal injury cases, including injuries as a result of accidents, including cars, trucks, motorcycles, bicycles, boats, planes, and buses, construction accidents, nursing home abuse, medical negligence and birth injuries, slip and fall cases, and injuries as a result of hazardous drugs or products. His firm's results speak for themselves, with millions recovered for their clients Sinson Law Group charges you no fees unless they win for you. So call for a free consultation, 312-332-2107, or visit SinsonLawGroup.com. Don't go offsides. Go top shelf. Call now. That's Sinson, S-I-N-S-O-N, LawGroup.com. Anything you want to add before we wrap this uh, this bad boy up, James?
2: I feel like this is a pretty uh, darn solid show. Three in a row for the Blackhawks. Yeah, let's, let's just keep, keep going. that going. Let's give us something good to talk about.
1: Let's give them something to talk about. I got to go to bed. What is going on?
2: <laughs> you know what? And I, I will uh, go ahead and I'll say this. I'm really hoping we can do an Olympic preview show. How does that sound? No,
1: we're going to jinx it. <laughs> <laughs> if we do that, the, the Olympics will get canceled and Sar- my wife sorry, will leave
2: Sorry. I guess we won't be doing a preview of the men's and women's hockey tournaments. I guess uh, we're not going to spread our wings and fly. We're just going to play it cautious for fear of jinxing. You know what
1: we should? You know what we should do? We should talk to Kendall Coyne Schofield. Her book just came out, and she's on the women's team, so it would be a good opportunity, a good excuse to get her on the podcast again. We're going so, yes. to do
2: that soon. She's going to be leaving for Beijing soon.
1: You know what? It's the madhouse podcast, okay? Beijing can wait. She's a friend of the show. I know exactly. Exactly. Let's get around from Beijing. That'd I don't be know if fun. the
2: IOC will allow that.
1: Again, James, it's the Madhouse Podcast. Okay, yeah, you're right. We're screwed. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> three in a row for the Hawks. Let's keep it going. It's more fun to do shows after wins. That's for damn sure. For my partner, James Navo, I'm Jay Zawoski. Remember, our tea public shop is on sale through Friday, January 14th. $13 classic teas, up to 35% off everything else so check that link in our bio and all of our social media pages and buy some stuff. Thanks for listening. We love you guys. Talk to you next time on the Madhouse Chicago hockey podcast. The
0: Madhouse Chicago hockey podcast was brought to you by Fry the coop triple threat sports and by the sense in law group. I'm Amira Rose Davis historian and co-host of the sports podcast. Burn it all down.